and bondages and it sets captives free. And I thank you, Father, that we as believers, that we have freedom and we can experience freedom. And Father, we don't even have the, uh, the highest form of freedom that we could have. There's still more. And so, Father, I pray that you will reveal that to all of us, whatever level we are now, that you will show us what you want to get to us, but we keep pursuing things that uh, will keep us at a low level. And you want us to get to higher levels. So, Father, I thank you that you show us things we've never seen. Let us hear things we've never heard from your throne. Let us have an understanding like we've never had concerning the things of your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are a teacher. No other spirit has permission to speak here but the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I don't know if you had time to do this at all, um, the paper, the third phase we're in, of four. And you can answer these as you wish. But by now, how many of you figured out your purpose? How many of you have not figured out your purpose? Okay. Okay. So have you not? You've not? Okay. So what I'm going to do is, um, after tonight, I can do a FaceTime consultation with you for like half hour. So fill out your things. So have it with you. And we can chat together for about half hour. We'll do it on FaceTime. If you're in the group and you'd like to participate, just put a note under this teaching. And um, I'll contact you and we'll go from there. Because by the next, I want you to have it. So by the next time you have it, you know what I'm saying? So if you're iffy or whatever, just we can hang out. Like we can talk for about a half hour. All right. So. The reason I have this on every paper, your purpose, is because you should get so familiar with it. You just keep writing it out every time that it becomes second nature. You can go anywhere in the world and you know what your purpose is. You know why you're there. You, you know, if you're like, I have nothing to do. Yep, you do. You got something to do. This is your purpose. When you, anywhere you are, this is what you do. So that's your go-to, right? So the first question I have is what behavior or characteristics in people causes you to not want to have a relationship with them? That is a key indicator for you to know where your limits are so if you watch the life of jesus he could have a relationship with anybody but not anybody could have a relationship with him that's how you want to be you could have a relationship with anybody but they may not be able to have a relationship with you you understand there's a big difference Because the person that's capable of having a relationship with anybody is fully confident in themselves. Jesus had 100% confidence in who he was, what he was here to do, right? So as you develop in understanding your purpose, you will have that kind of confidence. So the reason I'm asking you to write this out is because you may have changed and not realize it. You might be able to have a relationship with different people than you thought, Right. So like somebody who lies, I want to say have a relationship with maybe I should change that. But it's more like you could actually stand being in their presence for a long enough time, but not like you're going to be buddies. Right. There's some people like who wouldn't even talk to people who are a certain way. Well, you don't want to be that. Right. You don't want to be that person because who knows, maybe you might be the one that could reach out for Jesus. Now, you don't have to go have dinner with them every night. 
But if it's necessary, you could still talk to them. Does that make sense? So that's kind of what I want you to identify. What is What are your blocks that you automatically shut somebody down that you wouldn't even talk to them because of certain things? Does that make sense? And it comes to be more of a fear on your part than an actual problem with them. Right? So you might be afraid that if you talk to somebody like that, this will happen to you. So that's, now that comes with growth to not have that affect you. If you are being affected when you talk to certain people, don't talk to them because it's affecting you. And what you need to do is step back, build yourself up so you're able to do it. Does that make sense? So don't try to be like strong arming yourself. I could do the, you know, you, it, this is going to show you a character thing that you need to build in yourself and have genuine growth so you can handle situations like this, right? Um, any questions on that? You guys understand? The second is what characteristics of people you have a relationship with that you put up with. So this is just another level down. You're kind of in relationship with these people, but you, but you really are putting up with certain things. Like if you didn't have to have a relationship with them, you wouldn't. So this could be like your boss, a coworker, you know, a family member because they're in your family, so you kind of have to, but you'd never go seek a mother's friend, you know, that kind of stuff. It's so funny. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Doug. We were talking at the airport about, we were exhausted. We were ready to get out of the country, so we're talking about a bunch of nonsense. But one of the things we were discussing about marriage, like if your spouse were to die, would you get remarried, whatever, whatever. And all of our reasons for remarrying were different. Mine was because as a Christian, I couldn't legally do certain things I would do with a married spouse. That's the only reason why I would get remarried. So I was telling Pastor Doug this. He goes, really? I said, yeah. Because everything else you can have without marriage. But that's the one thing you can't do if you're not married, if you're a Christian. And he goes, well, I, I like having companionship. I said, yeah, but I can have a companion with five different people and just be a companion. I said, but the end of it, if you're too close of a companion, you're going to end up wanting to do something else. So it ends up being that you have to get married to do that thing. Well, I guess you're right. I said, so it comes down to the point of... <laughs> So, so you have to know why you have relationships, right? And you have to own the reason why. And the key is you're not putting up with a relationship because of a dependency of something or an obligation of something, right? Because what will happen is you're going to end up manipulating to stay there. Our obligation. So if it's a family, you feel obligated, you have to be there in their life, right? If it's um, a um, child or, you know, or, or you with a spouse, you're depending on them to take care of you, so that's why you're in the relationship. You understand what I'm saying? But if you, could, if you could take care of yourself, you'd leave, right? So those situations, the reason why you want to know this about yourself, even in a job, the reason you're staying there is because you will manipulate to keep them. 
or and the reason you you would manipulate is because you would do what they need you to do to be in the relationship but if you had to do it of your own free will without some kind of compulsory element you wouldn't which shows your love walk is weak there any relationship you decide to keep you have to keep it with the love walk for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was said before him because he knew that it would be the salvation of the of the world right so Jesus kept in relationship with mankind because of love so any relationship you keep if love is not the reason why you're keeping it you run the risk of becoming a manipulator or being manipulated but you th- that's a different story you want to build you where you're not doing those things this is what i'm talking to you about right this has a lot to do with purpose because when you're fulfilling your purpose it has to come from a clean place you can't be using your purpose to manipulate your way into anything because what will happen is if you're in relationship with somebody who can barely stand or you have to be there and your purpose could help them you may very well put a contingency on that purpose i'll help you if i i could be the one to help you but if you don't you whatever you know what i'm saying and then what happens is that becomes now a controlling kind of a situation you see what i'm saying so i was confident in what i could do for somebody and so when i said to them the people we were talking about earlier when i said to them okay guys i guess you don't need my help you have a nice night that was it i wasn't going to hold it against them by not talking to them because they didn't want my help <laughs> do you understand what i'm saying i was just going to release them because they didn't ask you know they don't want my help you see what i'm saying so this is a growth thing I didn't get here overnight trust me. <laughs> But as you grow and there's still room where we have more to grow in, we'll find out more. But I'm I'm just telling you up to where that to get yourself to a level where you are in control of you. You'll never have to control a person if you control you. Like never forget this. If you control you, you'll never have to control a person. people will want what you can give them because you can control it it's not out of control so in question 3 based on how you answer 1 and 2 in question 3 the question is do you think that you could be missing people needed in your journey in your life because of the things that you are unable to accept in a person you see my point so if there's certain things you can't stand i can't stand what people do there's a lot of things i can't stand what people do i i discovered all of them this week <laughs> every last one of them i have disco- i found them all in one place <laughs> oh yeah I was talking about it the whole time too. Ashley, we were in the car and like, "Oh my god." So <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> But 
I still have to have conversations with the people that be. I still have to go to the places that, you know, I still have to do business with. So even though I know there's no way on this planet (laughs) that I would want to go after you, (laughs) I could still handle it if I had to have a relationship with you. I, I, I had to talk to people on the phone that very well I know they have not done their job for the whole time I've known them in agencies and things, you know, but I talked with them cordially. I still stated what I wanted. I stated my expectation and I just got their, their WhatsApp phone number. I'll be calling them from here. Yes, Jesus. So what you do is you establish your relationship with people based on the love walk. And from the two things that you answered before, I want you to see, are you missing Things like our journey in life, we got to pick things up from certain places. Are you missing an ingredient because you refuse to have a relationship or talk to, not even have this like lovey-dovey relationship, but have not broken fellowship, let's put it that way, with certain people? You have to know what somebody can give you. So if they only have apples, for the sake of God and all of humanity, do not go with a request for oranges is never going to happen they only have apples so every time you show up and every year year after year you're going expecting oranges to people they're disappointed you're disappointed everybody's mad here she comes again wants more oranges (laughs) keep telling her i only have apples she's not listening do you see what i'm saying and then everybody shuts down right So identify the people in your life and what they can offer. That's the level to which you have that relationship. Okay? And you get what you need and you move on. But whenever you're getting what you need, make sure you leave love deposits. You have to leave love deposits. Love never fails. And the devil has no antidote for love he can't cure love no matter what he tries he cannot cure love if you fix love on your end you will never be offended you won't have hurt feelings and your mind is going to be so sound see when we are living in a, when we have relationships with people that are on the edge of chaos, what are the thoughts that go through your head when you have to go see them? Fear. Isn't that what happens? Fear. Because you don't know what's going to happen and you're afraid they're going to do this. That's the spirit of fear. So when the spirit of fear is present, the spirit of love, power, and the sound mind has been asked to take a seat while you entertain the spirit of fear. You see? So you have to preempt it with the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? So when you do that, fear has to take a seat. You develop you, and you can go in the most chaotic situation and be the boss. Because the Bible says, of faith, hope, and love, which is the greatest? Love, right? Love's the greatest. So you develop your love walk. 
the way you develop your law book, I know we tell everybody this a lot. I haven't, I haven't even read the scripture yet, but I'll, I'll give you a few. The way that we develop our love walk is to not sin. Not sin. That's a first way, right? You receive salvation. That means all your sins are wiped away. Keep it that way. So a good habit to have is to repent and forgive. Repent and forgive. That keeps you clean. That keeps your love walk sharp and it gives it a way to grow. You repent and you forgive. You repent and you forgive. That means nobody owes you a single thing. And you repent if you think you did the slightest thing wrong. Repent. Just move on. Just repent. Don't stick around to prove your point. I was right. You'll know you are a mature love walk person when you don't have to prove, when you don't have to explain why you were right. When you don't care to explain why you were right. You can just say, Okay, no problem. Jesus was accused every day. Based on the scriptures, you could see everywhere he went, he was accused of something. I mean, heck, they called him an alcoholic. (laughs) He's divine. They call him the alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he knew who he was, so he, he didn't have to prove anything. You remember when they would ask him questions? Whose power do you do this in and all this? He would ask them a question. He didn't have to prove a single thing. Do you see? So you know you're getting closer to your love walk when you're about to go, well, uh, and then you go, well, never mind. You go, man, I just scored. Like, dude, I just scored. You see what I'm saying? Start giving yourself a good old cheer. Like, huh? I didn't have to say you're wrong or that's not what it was or whatever. You just move on. Like, okay. (laughs) You see? Yeah. Now, if the devil is accusing you of something and he is um, lying to you about yourself, then you could say, I, I uh, arrest those thoughts. They're not my thoughts. You see what I'm saying? That's a different story. But when it comes to people, just, let, just relax. <laughs> just like chill. <laughs> you know? I, I made a lot of observations this week, and there's a lot of things I could have done, but I didn't because I was observing. But my wheels are turning, but I was observing. See what I'm saying? Um, so you want to live a life where you become a threat to the enemy because he can't shake you. There should be no relationship on this earth that the enemy could use against you. None. In other words, you could walk away from any of them and be fine. Don't ever let him have leverage over you like you, oh, if they leave me, I'm going to be so sad. Well, you know, whatever. (laughs) You have to be in such a way like there's zero leverage on you. Like on your own with God, you are complete. You see what I'm saying? You and God can get your purpose done. You got to live a life like that. Then you're not going to be afraid to confront things. You're not going to be afraid to ask hard questions. You're not going to be afraid to have a standard that if you want to be this close to me, you need to be this high with God. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? 
Otherwise, your level with God and mine are so different that you're kind of like way back there. State your thing. But you can't be afraid of the consequences. <laughs> if you're afraid that somebody's going to leave the relationship and you're going to be stuck, then you are the one they have leverage over. And you're supposed to be the one that's full of God. So who's in the power play here? You know what I'm saying? And you know what the devil tricks Christians and tells them? If you do that, then who's going to tell them about Jesus? Well, guess what? Turn on the radio, honey. Christian TV, open a Bible, read a book. All of that tells them about Jesus. Go to the neighborhood church. Open the yellow pages. Go on Google. Type in church. Any one of those resources could tell them about Jesus. Because you've been hanging out for 25 years and it still hasn't worked. <laughs> so don't let the devil have that leverage over you to keep you in bondage. This is all necessary for you to fully operate in your purpose and be free to do it. Okay? Now, um, any questions? <laughs> You're like, I'm not asking no questions. <laughs> We good? Okay, section two. Now, you need to have guidelines for your purpose. You need to have some standards. My standard is, if I offer help and you don't want it, then thank you very much, goodbye. Unless you have an intercessor, like Lisa was for these few, I am, thank you, it was nice to see you, have a great day. Okay? If you are now starting out and you desperately want to help somebody because you know you could and you know you've got what they need, you might hang out a little longer and beg and plead and try to give your resume and all this. <laughs> I'm done with all that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But as you grow in it, you know, okay, because you know that when you open your mouth or when you put your hand to this thing, this is your thing. So you know it's going to get done. So that's where, as you, so the way you do this is, first of all, by doing it a lot, right? So God will give you opportunity to operate in your purpose, to have lots of opportunity to do it, right? And you get really comfortable with it in that you understand and you own it. You have to take ownership of your purpose. Do not allow people to spit on your purpose and you just don't say anything about it. Because that is them attacking a gift of God, attacking a plan of God, and the person who owns the plan is letting it happen. Right? So you have to make sure, like it would be like you bought a house, and the neighbors come over every day and have their dogs have a heyday in there. You're home, you could see it, you watch, and you just don't do anything about it. You're like, well, it's my neighbor. So who else will come do it? Like, nobody else owns a house. You're the one that owns a house. You understand what I'm saying? So the qualified person to say something, to tell them no, wouldn't it be the owner? Right. So you are the qualified owner of your purpose. God doesn't own your purpose. He gave it to you. He will back it up. He will support it. 
and he will empower it, but it's your purpose. So you are the responsible person for it. Your yes and your no will, 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 will stand. Like, in other words, if I came and said yes or no for your purpose to God, like, God, yes, let her do it. No, let her not. He'll be like, excuse me, it's her purpose. What are you talking to me about her purpose for? She, you know what I'm saying? Right. So you have full authority and responsibility for your own purpose. So you remember the guy with the talents who multiplied the two who multiplied the one who buried? This applies. God's not a hard task master. He didn't give some people great purposes and other people lousy ones. No. They're all, they're all amazing. You understand what I'm saying? It just turns out some people are better at theirs than others simply because of use. So if you, find, if you look at somebody and go, I wish I could be like them, all you're doing is, is really what you want to do is wish you could do your thing as confident as they're doing their thing. Because you really wouldn't want to do what they do. You wouldn't have the guts to do it. And frankly, you have no anointing to do it either. But what you should be wanting is to be as confident doing your purpose like they're confident doing theirs. That's what you should do. Right? Paul said to the, um, to the church, follow, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. But the bottom line is you're imitating Christ. But it's an imitation. It's not, you know, become me. <laughs> It's a pattern, right? But your pat the behavior and the habits so you can do your thing, right? So, some, so what from a scale of 1 to 10, this is very key here. You guys can put this number on now. From a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your personal self-esteem? 1 lowest, 10 highest. You can do it now. This is a number you should have in your head. <laughs> From 1 to 10, 1 being lowest, 10 being highest, what would you say is your personal self-esteem? Rated based on fear of man. The clock's turning. Rated based on fear of man. That's what it's based on. Your self-esteem is nothing more than how much you're afraid of people. (laughs) How much you're afraid of being yourself around people. That's really what it comes down to. Well, 10 is the number you want to be. Yeah, that's a 10. Yeah. Right? So if you look at the first two questions I asked about what types of people you don't want to be around, that answer affects this answer. So when you are at maximum self-esteem, you have mastered one and two in section one. You could talk to your worst enemy. If Saddam Hussein was your worst enemy, you could stand up and talk to him toe-to-toe and not be afraid. That's a robust self-esteem. So here's the next question. Has your self-esteem increased or decreased in the last three years? You are measuring yourself against yourself. So are you higher self-esteem from three years ago or lower? 
Nobody evaluates themselves about these things, but it's necessary. Because think about this. If the last three years, your relationships have shifted, you might have changed jobs, you might have, you know, go in a di- live in a different place, whatever, you have different friends, you might have unconsciously decreased your self-esteem because the people around you have a lower self-esteem than what you had when you started, but yet, so yours seemed higher, right? But in order to become their friends and get along with them and not make them feel bad, you might have lowered your self-esteem and not realize that you did because remember you're gauging it against these people that didn't have any in the beginning right so this is key the reason this is important is you want to always be at a 10 no matter what environment you want your goal is a 10 because the people you're called to help are going to be in trouble in the subject matter that you're supposed to be really good at so if your habit this is this this is recording your habit. If your habit is to, is to act dumber so that people don't feel bad, you're going to be going backwards instead of pulling people up. Right? And you're going to feel bad if you keep your high standard among these poor people. And your self-esteem is not strong enough to be able to take the ridicule that everybody would ridicule. She thinks she's perfect. Well, by golly, I would hope you think so too. You see what I'm saying? If you can't say that, you don't have a high enough self-esteem to handle some big assignments. You notice the poor isn't helped by the poor. (laughs) But... The poor would like the rich not to act like the rich when they're around them. Right? But if the rich became poor too, guess who's all going to need help? (laughs) Do you see? Have you seen what's going on with Twitter lately? You should check those things out. See, don't just sit around and let these things happen. Watch. Watch it. Twitter was taken over by Elon Musk. I applaud the guy. He is doing strategic. I'm like, yes. So he's down to 50 employees. <laughs> they walked out. Yeah. So now they're all thinking they have leverage because he's not going to be able to make it. Have a watch. Just watch over the weekend what happens. By Monday, yeah. This is the thing. You have to know who you are and know what you can do. So it doesn't matter who says, I'm not going to stick with you. You're still okay. This is the key. This is key. Imagine if people just improved themselves. What a better world we'd have. If each person actually pursued being who God actually created them to be, imagine what this earth would look like. So at least let's do it in the church. At least. (laughs) If we say we're Christians, let us get ourselves to the ten. Right? All right. Now, three in section two. What factors do you believe have attributed to your current self esteem? <laughs> right? Put it down there, man. Whatever it is, put it down. Because these things that are hidden would become um, internal uh, enemies because they talk to you. 
So if the fact, if your self-esteem is low, you want to know why it's low. It's not low from God. The Holy Spirit would never keep your self-esteem low. So it's not what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit that's keeping your self-esteem low. It's what you're refusing to accept from him that's keeping your self-esteem low. So he's talking to you, but you're rejecting his words. What are you rejecting his words for? Whose words are you keeping so you can reject the words of the Holy Spirit that's talking in you? Remember, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And if you're praying and you're reading the word and you're asking for help, he's going to talk to you. So if he's talking to you, you should be getting better and better and better. But if you got, I'm up this day and I'm down this day and I'm upside down. Here we go. Turn around. Then, <laughs> then there's another friend that's having a conversation and they should be arrested. But you got a little drug rehab going on in you. And you're like, well, I think we could just rehab these words. I know what they mean. It's not really what it says. You see what I'm saying? So just know that any part of you that's weak, the Holy Spirit would have given you something to strengthen it, but you have rejected it. So you want to find out what are the factors that cause you to have low self-esteem and, and fire them, uh, arrest them. Yeah, lock them up. You're no longer part of my thought life. You have no permission to be here. You're trespassing. Whatever words you want to use. Vamos. Whatever. <laughs> right? Okay, number four. If someone hurts your feelings or rejects you when you are helping them with your purpose, even if you do not know that it's your purpose. So let's say you're trying to help somebody. You might not know. You've been trying to help people, right? And they reject you. Um, what, effect, what is the effect to your self-esteem or to helping other people? So if you try to help somebody with something and they reject you and then you go to the next person, they reject you and then you keep getting rejection. Uh, what does that do to your self-esteem? And the other question is, has it caused you not to want to help other people? Here's a big place this happens when you go to church and you went to that church and they were terrible. And then you go to this church and I was terrible. And then you go to this da, 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 and then now you don't want to go to any church. Who do you think's behind that? Well, it ain't the Holy Spirit telling you. <laughs> do you see? Your personal self-esteem is tied to so many life decisions that it will mess with your purpose. Because it's a personal feeling that you get. It's your personal self-esteem. It affects your identity. So every time you're rejected, it's, if you don't have a proper understanding of who you are, every time you're rejected, it will affect your identity negatively. And you'll start valuing yourself based on the rejection of someone else. 
okay? And that's you letting the dog poop in your yard and saying, well, I don't, I don't know what, you know. Somebody needs to take care of that dog and make sure he doesn't come in the yard. And it's your house and your yard, but you're like, yeah, I don't know why they let him in all the time. Like it's some foreign body is in charge of this. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your yard. It's your You're the owner. The deed says your name on it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You can go to the neighbor and tell them all you want about it, but they'll be like, okay. And they're probably thinking, um, and you want me to do what? <laughs> now, let me tell you something. There are people, like let's say you're this person I'm describing. You go to the neighbor. The neighbor is one of those go-getter people. They'll come over. I'll tell them. I'll tell them for you. And they go and they tell. But do you understand? (laughs) But here's the thing. You have to understand that's a one-time event. Even the neighbor isn't going to want to do it for you every day. They're going to tell you, you know what? At some point, you need to stand up for yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? So let's say you are so weak that you can't do it and you go get help for somebody else to do it. That's fine. Okay, great. Somebody did it. But the dog knows it could get away with it tomorrow. (laughs) It's going to come back again. Do you see what I'm saying? So you have to, you can't get away with it. You can go through life. You're like, yeah, I had my neighbor help me. Yeah, my friend help me. And And then you're this victim. And here's the other thing that happens to you, whether you realize it or not. Every time you have to go get help because you're too weak, your self-esteem will get lower. Because you'll beat yourself up because you couldn't do it. Oh, my gosh! (laughs) It's a cycle that didn't come from the Holy Ghost. Think about that. There's no way the Holy Ghost would lead us into weakness. Not even for a second. You see? Okay. Now, um, number five. Okay, let's go to scripture. Finally, we go to scripture. <laughs> Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Any questions so far? Let me just say something. Yes, ma'am. Uh huh. What if you were raised to not be confrontational? Like raised how? Oh, if you were raised with the feeling that nothing you did was ever good enough. Right. So those words are overriding the words of the Holy Ghost. So you have to make a decision. Right. So there's no but about it. It's I arrest you words from this person. You might have to name the person that said it. I arrest these words from this person that keeps coming to me. I remove you from me. I still honor their position in my life, but I do not accept their words. Right? 
Because if we don't do that and we accept those defeating words, it's defeating the purpose God has for us to accomplish, and we are then disrespecting God. So I would rather respect God. You see what I'm saying? So you have to see it that way. There's no need to hold on to words. Because remember, we were dealing with humans, humans who don't know everything. And they were speaking from their level of, of knowledge and their, la- their own low self-esteem. So you can't judge them for not telling you better because they didn't know any better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you forgive and you release and you move on. Like when I think about, you know, the stuff my parents did, like the orphanage and stuff, right? So they did things this way. They did things that way. So I have to think about, am I going to keep it that way? Am I going to change it? Whatever, whatever. I have no um, loyalty to keeping things their way if there's a better way. And I don't feel like I'm disrespecting their legacy by changing it. Because I know they're in heaven and they probably even have a better way than what I know. And they're going, do it that way, Fiona. Take it up higher. We had no clue what the heck we were doing. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? So you can't try to hold on to legacy, especially the person in heaven. They're shouting, don't listen to a word we said. <laughs> you see, so you have to think that way in, in your mind that you, you don't honor people by doing mediocrity when you know better. You honor them by doing the better. Right? So the way to cut these things out of us is with a sharp knife. The sharpest knife is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Right? Okay, so Proverbs 6, does that help? 16 to 19, I said. I'm reading from the Amplified... Okay, so we're talking about developing your standard for your purpose. And these six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. A proud look, the attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others. So when, okay, so here, let me show you. The question, first question I ask, what things about people would cause you not to want to talk to them? I have a relationship you have just violated One of the rules that God says he hates here is a proud look. You have just committed a proud look. If there are certain types of people or certain things people say that you don't want to talk to them. You see? So you don't want to do that, right? Number two, a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. If you stay in relationships that have leverage over you. Remember I told you you're going to end up manipulating. You know what manipulation is? Lying. You're going to violate number two, something God hates. Okay? Hands that shed innocent blood. Well, we know what that's all about, right? A heart that creates wicked plans. Wicked plans are any plans that are against God's plans. So a wicked plan could be something that you don't want to do because you're afraid to do it. Not doing it is a plan. But put the word in front of it that calls it what it is. It's a wicked plan. 
Not doing what God wants you to do is disobedience. Disobedience is wicked. Okay? Feet that run swiftly to evil. So this is where you run into the gossip rink. You run into the, you know, it could go into any different direction. Right? You know, a lot of people who don't do what they're supposed to do sit down and talk about people who are doing what they're supposed to do. They talk about them and they analyze them and they judge them. That's what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus. He's doing what they should have been doing. He hadn't done anything that would require his God nature yet. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was doing things that they should have been able to do. Because in the Old Testament, the prophets were able to heal and to, you know what I'm saying? Multiply food, do all that stuff. What happened in the New Testament? You understand what I'm saying? Those Pharisees should have had the ability to do all those things too with the power of God. But they didn't do any of that. Yeah, but they were analyzing Jesus, right? Um, feet that runs with the evil. A false witness who breeds out lies, even half-truths. Half-truths are lies. That would call manipulation when you have to say, well, I'm not really going there, I'm going here, when you're trying to cover up that you're going to church. That in itself is an oxymoron. <laughs> Think about it. Right? One who spreads discord, rumors among the brothers. Oh, this is a, think of a discord. It's like if you're in an orchestra, they make everything out of tune. The whole thing gets, sounds bad, right? So discord, not good. God hates it. My son, be guided by your father's God-given commandment and instruction. Do not reject teaching of your mother. Okay, so you see what I'm saying. So in the guideline of your purpose, your standards need to include these things that you do not do, you do not allow yourself to do, and you do not cooperate with in any person. You immediately rebuke it. Someone told me that they told somebody something that I wasn't there, or I wasn't going to be there or something, or they didn't know if I was going to be there or whatever, because I said, listen to me, you lied. They're like, well, I didn't. I said, no. Nobody has permission to lie on, on, to cover up for me. Not a single soul. I have given no one permission to lie so they can protect me. No. Now, some people hear that and go, well, they were trying to do you a favor. Uh-uh. No, you don't do me a favor using the enemy's tools. Not going to happen. I will never think you did a great job because you lied. <laughs> never. Ever. <laughs> and if you think that about me, you don't know me. <laughs> That's the problem we got to fix. <laughs> zero. I have a zero tolerance for lying. Can't stand it. If I even think it's a shift in the wrong direction or it's going to make it look a certain way when it's a certain way. I can't, I don't do that. Right? Okay. So what you want to do is you want to write those things down, right? And make notes to see where you are. You could rate yourself one to 10 and see your level of, of confidence in handling that as a standard that you stand up for. Does that make sense? Questions?
doesn't matter who it is. I will not accept a lie from you. I don't care. It doesn't matter who you is. You can't convince me that killing a baby is okay in some circumstances. I don't care. You could be the Pope. Well, the Pope probably thinks it. I don't care who you are. The best of the best. We could have been laughing a moment ago about, oh, my gosh, it's okay. And then you're trying to get, no, no, not going to happen. <laughs> right? So that's how you want to run that. Um, with all of the information you have just gathered about yourself and purpose, do you think you could create a standard concerning the use of your purpose? This is what you want to do in this lesson. You're creating a standard, right? So here's an example. Jesus, one of his standards was that he wouldn't do anything he doesn't see his father do. That was one of his standards. So that could be your standard. I wouldn't do anything that the Bible wouldn't be able to support me in. You see what I'm saying? I make no exceptions for anyone. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit told me years ago, I don't know how long it is now, I used to tell women, try to get women to come to Woven. Like, I know if they came, they'd be helped. Like, all these women are having problems. I'm like, hey, just come to Woven. And the Lord says, would you stop asking them and begging them to come to Woven? You've told them like 10 times. They don't want to come. Don't come. I said, that's a great idea. <laughs> so, you know, this now we just make like one announcement so people would remember what day it is. But I don't do no big marketing. Mm-mm. Nope. There it is. Do as you please. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So that, that's one of my standards. I had to develop that standard because I used to get ticked off. Because here's why we get ticked off. Because I would have just taught everything for like two hours and woven. And then that Sunday, this woman who decides not to come is coming to me with a problem that that very lesson could have solved. And that had moments for me to be ticked off. And so that set me up to want to like try to get everybody to come and tell them. And the Lord's like, would you just stop? Well, that's a great idea. (laughs) Because when you're begging someone to partake of something so important and rich, you devalue it. And he said, stop devaluing what you're doing. Just leave it alone. I went, now looky there. Yep. So, um, another thing is that Jesus, let's see. um, Oh, the other thing he wouldn't do, Jesus would never be pressured to do something that he could do because of friendships. Like the thing with Lazarus, right? He didn't shortchange a miracle from somebody else so he could go quick do this one before the guy died. That's the confidence he had in his purpose. That's how much he knew that it doesn't matter what stage of the game he got in on, it could still be turned around. You see that? So that's the type of confidence you have to have in your purpose. And the reason we can have this confidence is not because how great thou art, is because of God who fuels the thing. He's the one that supplies the power. We're the ones that show up on the assignment. You see what I'm saying? So you don't have to prep ahead of time when you go into the assignment, like, oh God, I hope I know what to say. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's your thing. When you show up, he'll say, this is the, you know, the Holy Spirit will talk to you about it. 
you'll know what to do. Right? I couldn't plan from here what I was going to do there because I didn't know what I was going to meet. <laughs> I don't think I could have ever plan for it, frankly. <laughs> but if I'd gone there and just gave up, like it was, it was a situation where you could have be like, what day is it? Actually, we actually said that, like, really? It's only been Tuesday? <laughs> Feels like it's already been Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Right? But you have to have, like, so I had one night on Monday night where I was deciding whether I was going to keep doing this or just cut it off, sell everything, dissolve everything, because the organization still exists in America on its own. It could still affect the world, but we don't have to keep that. So that's where I was on Monday night. I was like done. I was just like, right? But I prayed about it. (laughs) I decided to involve God. (laughs) I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit told me to keep it. So once I say yes to the Holy Spirit then I need to start doing actions to accommodate the yes, right? So I had my little two hours of whatever I was having, (laughs) my decision-making two hours. And then, but once I made a decision, you can come at me with a crowbar and a gun and a rifle. It doesn't matter. I have decided this is what's happening. So this is exactly what's going to happen. But if I had stayed in the previous state, I'd say, well, let me try and see what happens, and then I'll decide, and blah, blah, blah. I would have lost. They would have lost. The whole thing would have lost. Because I would have been lukewarm. I could have cared less. I wouldn't have tried. So my gift couldn't function. The anointing would have been stirred up for me to have solutions. It would have just been like, let's see what happens. Yeah. That's how people lose. But if I made a decision, I made a decision in the middle of a mess. It wasn't like it all got better, and then I go, oh, yeah, I could do this. (laughs) I was like, huh, I have to do this. (laughs) I suck it up, and I made a decision, and then that was it. You understand? So you're going to have these things, but when you have a good attitude about doing it, the anointing kicks in with all the qualities that go with the giftings in you to make it happen. As soon as you have a bad attitude, you say, so it's like being willing but willing and obedient, the two. You have to have the two, willing and obedient. If you just have one, it's just, you could be obedient and not willing, right? So your willing part, if you check your will, right, your will, your self-esteem affects your will. The lower your self-esteem the lower your will to want to do something. Think about that. Right? The lower your self-esteem, the lower your will. All right. So now, number seven, I have a place for you to write your standard. Everybody good with that? Now, let me give you some scriptures you can write down as for Jesus as an example of his journey of walking out his purpose. You can check these out. His purpose statement was listed in Luke 4:18 to 21. Luke 4, 
18 to 21 when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And he goes through the whole thing, right? He is stating in public, this is who I am. I am the person that they've been talking about, right? And then we see uh, his mission or his action that he did to fulfill what he said, right? He said he, he came to seek and save the lost. He, um, that's Luke 19.10. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.6. Okay, excuse me. So he was convincing people along the way by making statements about himself. Now, could somebody with a low self-esteem make those statements? No. As a matter of fact... People with low self-esteem would mock somebody who makes those statements and call them proud. Wouldn't that be the case? They would judge them as being proud. When in fact, it's the proud people that judge people with with high self-esteem. Proud people pull down people who are high self-esteem. What Jesus did when he was leaving the earth, he did the final act on the cross, and then he rose again. Those were actions. So here's something I want to show you. John the Baptist came first, right? And he was preparing the way for Jesus. And he informed his audience that someone greater than him, who he's not even capable, he's not even capable to tie his shoelaces, someone greater than him was coming. Remember that? Jesus, when he was leaving, he told his disciples, greater works than I have done, you will do also. So guess what's supposed to happen? We are supposed to announce to the next generation, you can do greater things than I have accomplished. And so on and so forth. Do you see? This is the esteem you should have in yourself that you, are, you can announce to your next generation. You must do better than, you are going to do better than I did. But it's not because you did at a zero, because you did at a 10 and you did your thing. And they marveled at the 10. But guess what? You're telling them more than I did you can do. You see? A a high self-esteem will want the people coming after them to be better than them. A low self-esteem wants to keep everybody at a certain level so that they don't look bad. Right? You see? Then Luke chapter 2, people prophesied about Jesus. People prophesied that Jesus was going to come. Luke chapter 2 talks about Anna in the temple who waited. She was a widow for all those years in the temple waiting for the Messiah. And she knew who he was when he showed up. So somebody prophesied you. You might have never met him and didn't even know about him. You have to have the self-esteem to prophesy other people. 
See? But if you're too low self-esteem, you, wouldn't, you don't even have the nerve to talk good about yourself. What are you going to talk about other people? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't be confident that you could say that about somebody and it really happened. Right? It would be out of like, well, I couldn't make it, but you try. <laughs> that ain't a prophecy. That's like a wish and a dream of a sinking sand. <laughs> right? And then Matthew 27. Right? Okay. So I just have a note that there are many reasons why Jesus had to come to the earth. Imagine if he didn't come. Imagine if Jesus came and he didn't make it. Imagine if he came and he had a a five self-esteem. Because his mommy yelled at him when he was 12 in front of the whole caravan and said, Don't you know we were looking for you for three days? And it traumatized him. And then... When he finally went out in public with her again at 30, she says in front of everybody, Jesus is going to produce wine. <laughs> Traumatizing. His mom. And then he didn't know who his father was on earth. <laughs> They're telling him that something came and put something in his mom's womb. <laughs> Traumatized. No, Jesus wasn't a victim of nothing. Even though they treated him like he was, he never was. You understand? You are not a victim of nothing. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care who did what to you. You're still not a victim. Do not label yourself a victim. Take it off of you. The Holy Spirit's not in you reminding you that you're a victim. He's not reminding you, remember how you used to get beat up? He is not reminding you that you're a victim. Okay? That's not part of the vocabulary of heaven. Okay. Matthew 27. And then Matthew 28 is where he told his disciples they could do greater things than he did. Uh, that they, what they're supposed to do going to all the world. But here's the thing. Matthew 10 7, Matthew 10, 7 is where he told them that um, he could, uh, that they could do all the things they could do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out, right? And it's in the Gospels. You can go through the other Gospels and it's there too. Let's see, Matthew 10, 7. Can we look at that Matthew 10, 7 for a minute? Yeah, see? As you go, Preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do you see how he told them what they could do? It's what he's been doing. And then when he left, he said, you're going to do even greater. Where can you find people saying that today? They get jealous if their kids show them up. (laughs) That's a sign of a very low self-esteem, like weak, shredded self-esteem. If you're a grown adult, get over it. I'm telling you, get over it. The only way you can get over being a victim is to get over it. Literally over it. <laughs> like that, you just have to get over it. <laughs> Climb over it. 
Let's try it again. Ready? One, two, three. Let's get over it. If the cow can jump over the moon, you can get over it. And that seems so callous, but do you know Jesus never had a conversation patting people on the back that they put up with sickness for 12 years? No. He said, who touched me? Somebody touched me and took. He's like, I did. Okay. You're made whole. He took ownership of his authority. When authority left him, he found out who took it. The anointing left him. He felt it leave him, and he wanted to know who took it. And the disciples were like, all these people are touching you. How do we know? He said, no. Somebody touched me and took something. Who is it? That's ownership. You see? That's owning your purpose. You guys know what I'm talking about? The woman with the issue of blood? Right? His disciples didn't understand it, but he was demonstrating to them, don't just let things happen. Because... We literally have to keep a record. He was keeping records of how he used the anointing, how he used the power that was given to him. It wasn't some flippant thing he was doing, right? Because then when he was ready to leave, he had to make sure he demonstrated all those things so he could tell his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. How could he tell them to do these things that he didn't do to show them how to do it? They wouldn't know what he's talking about, right? When they wouldn't know what he was talking about, he explained it in details. Like when he was going to die and resurrect, he explained that to them. Right? But the fact that he just said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, he didn't explain what a sick was, what a leper was, how you raise a dead, is because he did it and they saw how he did it, right? So this is how you, you live your life fulfilling your purpose. You don't have to, well, when you fulfill your purpose, here's what happens. <laughs> like, your kids and your family should know what it looks like because you've been doing it. You see what I'm saying? Not on your dying bed, you go, oh, Go ahead and fulfill your purpose, not like I did. Here's what purpose means. And you're like trying to give your last breath and explain what purpose means. No. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Okay, we're over. <laughs> Father, help us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand this even deeper tonight as we rest. Holy Spirit, we have ears to hear what you're saying. We shut our ears shut the voices, shut the sound system off of every other voice that contradicted any part of us that you created to function that is not functioning. Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to, to uh, we ask for forgiveness and we repent for disobeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we ask Holy Spirit that you will speak to us again and give us instructions we might have missed. Tell it to us again so we can hear it and do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.